Show number 90 of Look at His Butt, LT and JK Talk Trek. Dear Santa, I have been a very good girl all year, so for Christmas, I would like a sound engineer. I promise to share this sound engineer with my friend Lena. Thank you. Love, your friend, Kitty. The reason she wrote that letter right now is because I just <laughs> fucked up the beginning of our show. But, you know, I have to say, given that this we're, we're up to, like, show 90, I think, it was something like that, we're in the 90s now, that there haven't been as much fuck-ups as there could have been. <laughs> technical fuck-ups. Technical fuck-ups. Content fuck-ups. We got them. All the time. All the time. <laughs> but, but technical stuff, honestly, it could have been much, much worse. Okay, and because we're pros, we're going to make this sound just as fresh and and new. As it was the first time. As it was. So anyway, um, here we are responding to listener feedback. That's right. Because that's the kind of people we are. That's right. Because Bill would do that. He would. He would respond. So here's the anonymous comment that we got on, on our previous show from perhaps one of our regular listeners who's just being anonymous right now. And it says, it's like a letter to the editor. I was appalled. Oh, I'm glad I was sitting down. Uh, I was appalled to hear that Lena and Kitty had not read up till now at least five times in this episode. But to make matters worse, they don't even own the book yet. Three exclamation points. So, I bought a t-shirt from Cafe Press to go toward the book fund for the Butt Girls. I urge you to do the same. We want book reviews. So, thanks. Thanks for that. Um, and don't worry, if you buy t-shirts from Cafe Press, we will put the money to good use. Are you sure? Because, you know, I was, I, I'm really thinking we should hold out and, uh, not review the book until we <laughs> sell a lot more t-shirts. Well, that could happen. Um, let me just fix my mic here because it's hanging off me in a really weird way. And you would hate to, to miss even a single one of my golden chosen words. Okay, so... As you all know, Lena bought me the uh, the audio file of this for my birthday, and I love it. I've listened to it. You know, I, I burned it to CD so I could listen to it in the car. It's mm-hmm. so much better than radio. And so I was listening to this. Now, you if you're going to... An all-bill radio station where it's just him all the time. Well, you know, I think I've told you this, that, that years ago in, uh, in New York, there was an all-Sinatra show yeah. that was on Saturday night. So it was like three, four hours long. Imagine, though, you could have an all-bill radio station where it's just like interviews with him and audiobooks and his songs. You could have an all-bill TV show. And it would just be on all the time. You know and what else you could have? be fresh all the time. Yes? You could have an all-bill podcast. <laughs> really? What do you think we should call it? <sighs> Look at his eyes. <laughs> That's it. That's it. Okay. <laughs> That's when it's on the Cartoon Network. Okay. So, um... So when you're listening to this, you you want to be ready to hit the volume because being Bill, he doesn't just read you this book. He and it's you know his own stories and everything. So he's sort of dramatizing it. So sometimes his voice gets very very quiet. And uh, so I was planning. I did take notes, but I was planning to to grab some segments and we could play them for you. But oh my God, everything is so busy in my life right now. So. I didn't do that. You're just going to have to put up with me telling you about these things. One of the first things I want to talk about um, is in, I think it was in our last show where we talked about the story where um, the guy took him to Radio City Music Hall and put his hand on his knee and Mm -hmm. and, and Bill ran away. Well, actually, that was not his first (coughs) gay experience. Really? Um, He, you know, took up acting at a very young age. Mm -hmm. His mother was an elocution teacher. Really? 
encouraged him in this. Wow. And, uh, and um, she was very proud of him her whole life. And he's very funny because he says she would introduce herself to people, just people in an elevator, and say, I'm William Shatner's mother. She just thought this was great. And he said he would get on planes and the stewardess would say, we had your mother on last week. And he didn't even have to ask how they knew it was his mother. But anyway, so, you know, he had, you know, been doing plays Uh and and shows and everything. And when he was like 15, he was hired by a theater as an assistant stage manager. Mm -hmm. And some well-known, he doesn't name names, well-known actor, you know, came in to to play the lead and, and, you know, and at one point asked young Bill if he would like to go out to dinner. (laughs) And Bill thought, Boy, I must be one great assistant stage manager if the famous star is asking me out to to dinner. And so he says, sure, I'd love to. And the guy says, do you have a jacket? Oh, no, I don't have one with me. Well, I have one in my room, oh, you know, come, and you can use on. it. So, you know, of course, Bill went up to his room and ended up being chased around the bed. And the interesting spin, I guess you would call it, that Bill puts on this is he says he instantly understood and has remembered his whole life how angry and frustrated a woman must feel when she says no and it means no. Wow. What a great insight. I know. Wow. That's really, really good. Yes. Yes. And uh, he he talks, um, throughout the book, whenever he's talking about women, he is very respectful of them. Mm -hmm. And... uh, And it's also interesting, you know, I've heard so many stories about how his father was so... um, opposed to him mm-hmm. taking up acting and Bill was in college like about I don't know his second third year or something when he finally got up the courage mm-hmm. to tell his father this is what he wanted to do and uh, you really have to read it or listen to Bill tell it but basically you know um, his father just right in that moment put aside his own dreams for his son and said you know you do what you have to do you know, just don't, don't be dependent on other people, Mm -hmm. you know, and, and, uh, and Bill now thinking, you know, back on it, realizes how, how hard that was Mm -hmm. for his father to do. So that's very interesting. Um, some of my notes don't make sense to me anymore. Um, he (laughs) does. They did at the time. They Uh, did at the time. And for being written in a car. That's good. Um, he tells about doing the nude scene with Angie (laughs) Dickinson. We played that little clip. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And, uh, he, uh, they're saying, you know, Bill, are you okay with, with doing the nude scene? Mm-hmm. And he says, yeah, I'm, I'm, you know, just worried that I might get an erection. And they're like, oh, and he, and he says, I wasn't kidding. you know." And then he, then he goes on to joke. He goes, you know, it, it all becomes so technical. Oh, you know, you're out of the light. You got to put your arm here and everything. He goes that it wasn't that hard. Oh. <laughs> and the other really funny thing throughout the book, Bill does commercials. He shills throughout the book, and it's a running joke, you know, because he'll talk about things, and he'll go, and you can get this at williamshatner.com, you know, which is my website, and he, he keeps bringing it up at the strangest moments, and in the middle of one story, he pauses to do a commercial for himself, and then picks up the story again. So it's, um, oh, Bill. Oh, Bill. it's That's very funny. So funny. He mentions a couple of our favorite things. Oh, good. He mentions the Shatnerica. Oh, good. Because somebody apparently made him aware of this, uh-huh. and it's full of all kinds of details about his life. And he doesn't Bill, even remember. And Bill doesn't remember him. And he is, 
you know, like astounded that anybody uh-huh. would want this. Um, he also, you know, what he's talking about how, how it surprises him that people know him the way they do and everything. And he brings up that scene in Fight Club. Uh-huh. And I'm thinking whoever was telling him about this, maybe his ghostwriter, listens to our show. Could be. Um, it's, it's probably Spader. <laughs> <laughs> he also talks about um, when he was nominated for the Emmy for Third Rock, mm-hmm. which was his first nomination. Uh-huh. And he is so wonderfully honest. Uh-huh. Going, I wanted to win. <laughs> I, you know, you're always saying it's such an honor to be nominated. Of course it is, but I want to win, you know, and I really, really wanted to win. And then I had to go and, you know, be ready to just keep my face totally, totally neutral. And how he was watching the presenter and just focused in on the guy's lips, watching for the W for William to, to form. Oh, that's so funny. He also drops this little tidbit. He talks about Riverside, Iowa. He, you know, reminisces about, um, Punking them. <laughs> punking them and what a you know what a wonderful experience it was and how how wonderful the people mm-hmm. were and he talks about them and everything um he says that um kirk was conceived under a pool table <gasps> in that bar <laughs> is that canon now <laughs> it, it is as far as i'm concerned of course we've had an on on the scene reporter under a pool table under... i'm trying to imagine that right now I'm trying to imagine Marjorie under a pool table. I know, I know, I know. But it was also kind of fun to me because, of course, I wrote that story about a, a pool table, and and the the whole thing was that yeah, that's sort of like one of the Kirk men's traditions is they seduce women by teaching them to play pool. But anyway, there's some wonderful Bill Shatner pronunciations. I can't remember the other one I wanted to bring up, but he calls the movie Incubus. <laughs> Incubus, and he says it several times. It's Incubus. Now, one of the really interesting things to me about this is um, he's telling stories that if you're a Shatner fan, if you've gone to cons, you've heard many mm-hmm. of these stories. And it's, it's, it's not that they sounded tired, but it, they just weren't getting the full mm-hmm. Shatner treatment. And I was realizing he's told these stories a million times. Mm-hmm. And to be sitting there reading them probably was not that fascinating to him. But as it gets further and further on in the book, and it's getting more and more into more contemporary things, mm-hmm. and stuff that's going on now, or stuff that happened like in the past five to ten years, his voice becomes much warmer, oh. much richer. Uh-huh. He, um, you know, he talks about uh, you know, Noreen mm-hmm. and, and her alcoholism and everything. And there's also uh, stuff you have to, I think it would be great to listen to um, as opposed to read it because some things were taken out of context and put in the press and they mm-hmm. sounded a certain way. And the one I'm particularly thinking of is um, in one article about him, you know, out there promoting the book, it quotes from the book where he's talking about James Spader and he says, him I don't love. Yeah. Which makes it sound like they have this bad relationship. Right. Well, when you hear it in context, he's just been telling you about Leonard mm-hmm. and their relationship and, and the early days when they, they fought and, and mm-hmm. argued and, and then how things changed and developed and, and everything and, and what a special bond they have now. And then he goes into talking about James Spader. And when he says, him I don't love, he's saying, I don't love him the way I love Leonard, mm-hmm. which is like a brother. 
but you know then he starts telling the stories of, mm -hmm. of how they met and everything and, and working together and certainly if you're an actor it's very interesting because he talks about their very different approaches mm -hmm. to to how how they deal with their characters and what they bring to it and he goes on for a really long time very interesting to me about the character of Denny Crane and how it's written and how it's so wonderfully rich and challenging to him and gives him so much freedom as an actor to mm -hmm. to try all different kinds of things and he also talks about um something he learned from Spader which is um they were doing a scene and I, I, I cannot remember the, the context, but they were doing a scene. And at one point, Bill thought he was doing James a favor um, because he bent over and his butt was like in Spader's face. Mm -hmm. And he thought, you know, that, that Spader would improv some, some funny line. He was handing him mm -hmm. this. And, um, and Spader didn't, didn't like it at all and, and said, you can't do that. Okay, you know, so then they had break and, and Bill went back to his dressing room and, and, and uh, you know, he was like upset mm -hmm. and he knew that Spader was, was upset and was angry and knock, knock, you know, Spader wants to come in and, 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 uh, and Bill realized he wanted to talk about this mm -hmm. and explain to, to Bill why this sort of thing just mm -hmm. didn't fit into what he was trying to do and everything. And, uh, and Bill realized that in that way Spader was like Leonard, which is something upsets you. You have this confrontation and it's over. Mm -hmm. And Bill's thing is to not say anything and be upset about it for like a day or so and then forget about it. Hmm. And so this was a whole different thing. And he also was saying that Elizabeth is like Spader in that way, his wife. Mm -hmm. And he's saying, so, you know, with, with Spader, this is something he's learning. So, you know, it's, it's, it's really interesting. And um, when he, he it talks about Elizabeth, of course, it's really wonderful um his description of their their romance and and their relationship and apparently when they were married she wanted to be married by this uh this poet woman poet whose name i cannot remember and so yeah they got it all set up mm -hmm. that the woman was going to come to uh, indiana which is where mm -hmm. they were being married and uh on the day before they were going to get married, they had some really big argument. He doesn't say what it was about or anything. And Liz, you know, called this woman. She's like, oh, you know, hysterical. And the woman said, I'm not marrying you guys. You need work. <laughs> <laughs> and so now they're, they're, they're not getting married. And, uh, you know, so they had to sort of sit down and deal with each other. Mm -hmm. And I, I love the way he describes this was um, they had to to decide, did they want to like go to the mat on this issue, whatever it was, uh, to be right? Mm -hmm. Or did they want to have the rest of their lives together mm. happily? So, you know, they were married, of course. But he, he talks about that she is strong and independent. And, and you can tell not only how much he loves her, but how proud he is of her. And that he realizes that when they disagree... If she decides to like back down and let him have his way, she does it not out of weakness, mm -hmm. but because of what they have and because of the love they share. And so it's really wonderful. And as I said, in these final parts where he's talking about things like that and his friendships and, and the whole thing, his voice is so warm and mm. so rich. And, um, it, and then he, I, I, spoiler alert, <laughs> at the end of the book, he, he's saying, you know, I've, I've learned so much, and but there are some mysteries, some questions that 
just will never be answered. For instance, do I wear a toupee? <laughs> and that's the end. <laughs> so it's really wonderful. It's also fun that some of the stories he tells that we've heard before are different now. <laughs> and also the thing he's mainly learned through his life, looking back at it, and you're listening to it, and you're going, oh, yeah, this is so true, this is so true, is that he has not one lick of common sense. <laughs> because he goes along in life and, you know, says things like, I think Kirk should wrestle the tiger. I think, oh, you want a fight on a speeding train? I'll climb up on a speeding train. We don't need no stinking right. stuff. I have a concussion. I can go sing at the MTV Exactly. Awards. And he says he gets halfway into these things, and he thinks, what was I thinking? <laughs> King. I get, and, and it's very interesting that like when he was doing the race car thing, he, he's about to get in the race car and realize I could die. I could die. This car could go on fire and I could die. Why am I doing this? And he's doing it and he went ahead and did it and didn't say, no, I'm out of here because the cameras are rolling and you're a performer. It's your job. You agreed to do this. You show up on time. You show up ready to work, and you do it. So he does all these things, like he, you know, they're on a safari, and he <laughs> runs off in the middle of the night to to go commune with a wild <laughs> elephant. It's like, why, you know? <laughs> so I think a lot of the the things that he does initially, thinking maybe it's you know because I'm brave, he realizes <laughs> because he has no sense. <laughs> None whatsoever. Oh man! And it's just it's it's it is a delightful book, and I haven't read any of the reviews, but I've been seeing little snippets, mm -hmm. and it's getting really positive reviews yeah. um, because he is really showing uh, his sense of humor about himself, mm -hmm. which you know some people are are not aware of. And it's also, you know, I'm sure there's, to a certain degree, like all celebrity autobiographies, it is self-serving. Mm -hmm. But certainly not to the degree of many other celebrity biographies mm -hmm. that I've read. And uh, and he, he, he does talk honestly about his emotions and, and again, the, the complex relationship he had with Leonard and, mm -hmm. and how they fought and what they fought over and, you know, just... Um, you know, the whole thing and, and dealing with uh, Noreen's alcoholism mm -hmm. that he honestly believed that if he loved her enough, mm -hmm. he could make it so she wouldn't, wouldn't need this, wouldn't want this crutch. But then he says, um, after she died and he was, you know, just devastated, he realized at one point that that was the kind of pain she was in mm -hmm. all the time. Mm -hmm. And he says, if I could have crawled into a bottle and made it go away, I wouldn't. Mm -hmm. So, you know, he really, he really shows a great understanding of, of things. It's also, you know, he talks about his greatest fear is being alone. Mm -hmm. And uh, after she died, he thought he would never get married again mm -hmm. because he, you know, had had two marriages fail through divorce and then this, and so he was dealing with this horrible fear of being alone, but also feeling that he just had to accept it. That was mm. going to be his lot in life from this point on. And it's, it's very moving. And 
it just you know that 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 sort of honesty about these things is is really refreshing and so you truly do understand when he talks about what a gift Elizabeth is for him to have her come along at that point in his life and and to understand and and that they don't compete with each other and that that was part of the problem in his first two marriages he was married to actresses mm-hmm. who were not having the type of success mm-hmm. he was having and uh, he certainly you know he doesn't go on and on about it but he certainly sees that as having been a very big issue in his first marriage mm-hmm. and he he again speaks only in positive terms of, of the various women in his life so so um, how many stars would you give it how many stars are there because <laughs> I give it all that and a bag of chips okay well there, there's a review yeah that's a great review thanks I, I, I do want to read the book I would like to listen to that, so if you can find it in your heart to make me a copy at some point. Oh, I think I could probably. Uh, okay. I could actually even give you the CDs if you want to <gasps> listen to the CDs instead of um, that, iPod. That might be good. Yeah. Well, that would be great. Yeah. Um, so we have a couple other um, things that are Bill-related because of the book. Okay. Because he's been chilling like mad well. everywhere at every time. So let's talk about the little clip from The Tonight Show that we just watched okay. because that yes. was good. So to go from your very thoughtful and serious review to Bill's appearance on The Tonight Show, which was totally wacky and goofy in the way that Bill always is when he's with Jay Leno. Yes, he's very funny. He's very funny. So first, he looked fantastic. Oh, yes. Really, really slimmed down. I have not seen him looking that trim. I mean, he was obviously wasn't Captain Kirk trim, mm-hmm. but certainly it has been a long time since he's looked he's that looking good. He's looking really good. And you can just see his face so much better now. Mm-hmm. You know, you can see his eyes and everything. He's looking really And good. he was energetic. Of course. Yes. He's full of Up stories and, and beans, um, <laughs> so to speak. So uh, he told a couple of very funny stories while whilst shilling for the book, which he very effectively kept pointing to the book. Mm -hmm. My book, my book. book. I'm here to push the book. I'm pushing the book. So he told some stories from the book, which were good, uh, and told how he had gotten in trouble with his wife a couple of times. Mm -hmm. So that was all very amusing. And um, the best part, though, was the end when that woman came on. Yes. That was the part I actually wanted to talk about. And what is her name? Chelsea or something? something? I don't know. She's got a talk show on the E! Channel, which we've never seen. She was actually very funny. Mm-hmm. And she's she's very attractive, uh-huh. young woman, and very uh, smart mouth yes. and sarcastic. Yes. And, and, and flirtatious. And flirtatious. Oh, my God. So she it was established that she has a thing for her older men. Her boyfriend is older. Mm-hmm. So she was very happy sitting between Bill and Jay Leno and saying it was a silver fox sandwich. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and Bill was very good. He was playing right along. With and he Jeanette. was very quick. He was. Really, really good. What I was thinking was while she was doing this, she was she was using wordplay to be flirtatious and all mm-hmm. that. And um, I wondered if she had ever come up against someone of Bill's caliber when she was doing that because I don't think she did. <laughs> I think she was totally taken aback when she, uh, she said something and he said, oh, I'm not going to touch that with 10-foot pole. She goes, do you have a 10-foot pole on you? And I thought she really thought she had the that topper there. Yeah. And he said, not right now. Uh-huh. And it was like, it just, it brought down the house. It was great. And because he, he left a pause too. Mm-hmm. So he, he had good timing on it. He waited until everybody was done laughing. And then he, he just fell. said it. He was so good. And she was, she looked a little bit flustered to me by that. Actually. Yes. Yes. So I was just, you know, for anybody out there who thinks that they can sort of verbally spar with him on that mm-hmm. level. No, you're not going to win. You're, you're not going to win. You absolutely, because why he, wouldn't he win? He's built. <laughs> 
it's also interesting some of the stories he was telling like you're saying is about how he he got in trouble with his wife and <laughs> the the one he was telling about how he went on the view and and yes. they said well how did your wife feel about you being the guest photographer on playboy and he hadn't told her well i did see that segment of the view and it really is pretty funny because he's there with four women uh-huh. and he's trying to say well i didn't tell her because and they're going no no you didn't tell your wife and she goes yes but you see here is the reason and it was so obvious you cannot win bill you cannot win this and he's still trying to get his reasoning and then they're like no no you you were wrong you were wrong this is bad <laughs> oh he was good so that was that was very very good yes um so let's see i have on my computer a couple of interviews that he did so let me pull one of these up right now okay just a moment here he has been doing so many interviews. Oh my God! Everywhere, all the time. So um, this is a great interview, and it's quite long. So I'm not going to read the whole thing, but I do want to read some parts from it because it's really, really good. So this is in the um, katu.com, Portland, Oregon, and it's called William Shatner Still Conquering New Frontiers, and it's a great. Um, it's more than just an interview. It's really a retrospective. Mm-hmm. And it goes into a lot of detail about this, but it opens great. So it says, um, this is taking place in Los Angeles. The SUV pulls to an abrupt stop on Ventura Boulevard in Studio City. In the middle of the westbound lane is a man in a loud shirt, his body coiled with energy, darting across traffic towards a strip mall. The driver jumps visibly, and not merely at the presence of a human being on the pavement. It's who that human is. Without the hasty application of power brakes, one of the most recognizable faces in the history of American television would have become one with the road. But it's lunchtime after all. Good sushi is across the street, and a guy like William Shatner is not about to be stopped by something as mundane as traffic. (laughs) Now let me ask you, because there have been so many articles. Um, Is this the one that... uh, where the guy writing the article in the middle of it confesses that he is an admirer of Shatner oh, yes. and his one son, his middle name is Kirk. Kirk yes. We've read another article by yes, that guy. we have. So he's a total fanboy. He's, he's great. Total, I love him. Total fanboy. So it, it goes into a little bit of history about um, what he's done and um, gives a little brief rundown. And this is great. Although he did get Bill's middle name wrong. Yeah. So what's up with that? Bill doesn't have a middle he name for those of you name. who uh, are wondering. So it says, things William Shatner has done that you haven't. (laughs) Released a live lemur from a baby carriage to help three women book cheaper travel online. (laughs) For a Priceline commercial, presumably. Broken up a road rage argument on a Los Angeles street on his way to the Academy Awards. I didn't know this. Portrayed himself as a pickled severed head in Futurama, which was great. Lent his face to a psychopathic Michael Myers of the original Halloween, whose producers bought a Captain Kirk mask and painted it white. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, cracked a fart joke in a Star Trek movie, and simulated copulation with Can- with a Candace Bergen doll on primetime network television. <laughs> oh, that's something I wanted to tell you. In the yes. book, he talks about that. Oh, really? And um, he, he's, you know, he's saying, well, you know, as an actor, you've got to totally commit to these things. And he tells his story about how as um, a young kid, he saw another boy masturbating. <gasps> and... It didn't even really know what it was, but, it, you know, the memory has always stayed with him. And he remembered um, the expression on the guy's face and, mm-hmm. and you know, how his eyes rolled back and, and, and everything. And he says that's how, you know, he wanted to play it. You, uh-huh. you had to play this as 
you're with <laughs> the Candace Bergen doll. You know, that's the greatest thing. So anyway, so I just thought I'd throw that in. That's great. He's got a story for everything. He does. He's he, built. he absolutely does. Um, so it goes on about how he's just fascinated with everything. And uh, it says he has a conversational style, a cognitive style even, of starting slowly, navigating his way into a topic and in the course of a single sentence, transforming from cool introspection to full-on oratory. And that's the example of the risk is our business speech. <laughs> so that was great. Uh, let's see. Uh, he has always favored unusual paths. Um, doing, um, it says, you don't make an entire horror movie in Esperanto. Incubus. Thank you. Incubus. <laughs> you don't open an equestrian camp to help disabled Israeli and Arab children get along. You certainly don't serenade George Lucas by dancing with stormtroopers while singing a personalized version of My Way. Bill has done all those things. Um, let's see. It talks about the different phases of his career, which are great. And then talks about how great um, Denny Crane is as a role for him. Mm -hmm. Very happy about that. Let's see. He's mined a vein of cultural coal that transcends ubiquity. He's been pitchman legend, action figure, in-joke, cover boy, game show host, cultural signpost, embodiment of a bright future. The cultural transaction has become so intricate that even a 2006 Comedy Central roast in which everyone from Betty White to Ron Howard's baby brother raised a leg in his direction seems somehow forced as if pimply teenage delinquents were shooting BBs at a cast-iron statue of a Civil War general. I totally agree with that. That's yes. a great way of, of saying yes, that. Yes, that is perfect. <sighs> okay. One of Shatner's daughters and her husband like to play a game. This is amazing. This is so good. Get through an entire day without seeing an image of Dad somewhere in public and you win. Usually, no one does. That's a great game. Yes. And I think you can't win that game. No, you can't, because Bill is everywhere. Um, so uh, it talks about how the Denny Allen relationship on Boston Legal is so special. Um, he says, there's no toxic sexuality involved. It's a friendship based entirely on communication and empathy, Shatner says. It's this emotional attachment, this looking into the eyes and saying, tell me. So, let's see. Um, Shatner as Kirk may be a memory with Leonard Nimoy. While Leonard Nimoy will be featured as an aging Spock in the reboot of Star Trek, Shatner isn't coming aboard. Other than that, all things seem possible, from racing horses to developing a pet project called Shiva Club, which follows two young comedian wannabes who, trying to, to network, crash the wake of an old-school Jewish comic. <laughs> that sounds good. This is the best line. Shatner says, I have all of the hungers and passions and desires of when I was 20. There's nothing I can't do. Yay! I love that. It's a, it's a wonderful article. We will put up the link and you should all go and read it. But again, it's just, it's quintessential Bill because it yes, really he's, he's pushing his book, but look at how much other stuff he, he gets in there. The things he, you know, is talking about mm -hmm. and just amazing he's uh yeah he's been in the public eye for so long mm -hmm. and in and been viewed by the public in so many different ways he has had an amazing career mm -hmm. so i just an amazing love life i love that interview so i'll put up the link everybody should go and read it it's very long it'll take you a while to get through but it's totally worth it mm -hmm. because it's just spot on in so many yes. ways yes yes that's great well i think we should take a break i think we should a while and then we'll come back with more bill yay Space. 
the final frontier. These are the voyages of the starship Enterprise. Its five-year mission to explore strange new worlds, to seek out new life and new civilizations, to boldly go where no man has gone before. Send your comments, suggestions, questions, and stories to lookathisbutt at gmail.com. Show blog is at lookathisbutt.blogspot.com. This podcast recorded and produced on an Apple PowerBook with GarageBand. This is TSFPN.com, the sci-fi podcast network. You found the best podcast in the universe. And now, a copyrighted feature of this broadcast, more media. Bill Shatner has conquered more media. We should come up with a little like jingle or a theme song for that segment, because we do it in almost every show. Uh, yeah, you know, I think maybe one of our, our talented listeners could write us a little jingle. That would be awesome. That would be so, great. So, more media Bill has conquered. We need a little, a little uh, lead-in for that. Yeah. That'd be great. William Shatner Media, you know, something. Okay. So the first one, and you find these in the strangest places, was in the Sunday, June 8th, New York Times Review of Books. Really? In a book that has nothing to do with Bill. Wow. Or anything. And I do not even know if the thing I'm going to show you is in the book. It's in the book review. It is a book called The Drunkard's Walk, How Randomness Rules Our Lives by Leonard Mlodinow. M-L-O-D-I-N-O-W. Okay. Okay. And this review was written by George Johnson. Okay. I don't know who that is. And it's a book all about probabilities, calculating the odds, things I know nothing about. Okay. But it has an illustration here that I just want to show you. (laughs) So Bill has conquered... The Venn Diagram. (laughs) Now, why don't you describe that to our listeners? Okay. So, do you guys know what a Venn Diagram is? In case you didn't go... No, Marina, please tell us! In case you didn't go to business school. Hey, I didn't go to business school, and I I know. know. Well, I I only knew this because um, my business school friends explained it to me. Um, A Venn Diagram is when you take circles and you overlap them. And then the parts where they overlap is the the meaningful parts. So, like, if you're comparing populations, you might have population of people who live in this neighborhood and population of people who are age 65 and over, and where they overlap is the, the part where you want to get the information from. The people who live in this neighborhood who are 65 right. and over. Right. Okay, that so, one's very good. Good, yeah. good so, explanation. Um, and, and you can have, it doesn't have to be two. It can be three or four. You can have oh, lots yeah. of them. Lots. And then you, you can pick out the different significant information from the different overlaps, which is what you want. So what this is are three overlapping circles. The first one says emotionless. The second one says calculating. And the third one says logical. And where those three circles overlap is a very, very small area. And there's an arrow pointing to it. And it says, you are not taking orders from Kirk. (laughs) (laughs) Nowhere... In this book review, does it mention Kirk, this diagram, anything? That is hilarious. That is so funny. And the fact that it's completely contextless. Yes. It's a Kirk. Like, it could be anybody named Kirk, but of course it isn't. Of course it's Captain Kirk. And I do not read the book review cover to cover. I just saw that, and then I had to, you know, read the article. 
That is hilarious. We have to scan this in so oh, yes. can see an image of that. But that's wonderful. Mm -hmm. You are not taking orders from Kirk. But you know what I just realized? Yeah. Uh, remember, one of our listeners sent us this <laughs> article about that guy who um, had worked up all the diagrams and everything to show that if, if red shirts beamed down to a oh, planet yeah. where Kirk got fucked, yeah. they didn't die. Yeah. Didn't he have Venn diagrams? Oh, it was mostly um, bar charts. Yeah. I'm, I'm not sure if there were any Vens in there. Okay. It was mostly bar charts. Well, this obviously <laughs> is more work by Stevens from Accounts. Uh, Stevens from Accounts, yes. This is so good. Can you scan this? Of course oh, I will. That's wonderful. Of course I will. Now, the other media we have here. <laughs> this one came from one of our listeners. Oh. I am so thrilled and actually a little surprised that this media wasn't conquered much, much earlier. This came from Eric Houston. Oh. And again, I'm just going to spring this on <laughs> Lena by passing her the computer. Okay. This is coming this fall. Oh, okay. Oh, <laughs> oh no. Oh, my God. It's the Star Trek Pez <laughs> gift box. Let me read this. Yes, because it's pretty good. <laughs> TOS Pez. The first Star Trek Pez will depict the original crew of Star Trek, the original series, in a gift set including eight dispensers and candy in assorted flavors. The dispensers included depict the original crew, Kirk, Spock, McCoy, Scotty O'Hara, Sulu, and Chekhov, plus the uh, original Enterprise. The people at Pez Candy Inc. tell Trek Movie that the Enterprise is unique for Pez as it depicts a scene at Pez first. Ooh. So it's like a Pez diorama? I guess so, where you see the ship emerging from a nebula cloud. Wow, that's, you can actually see it in this little illustration mm -hmm. here. That's pretty cool. The complete limited edition Star Trek Pez collector's gift set will be available in September, October for around 20 bucks. It should be available both online at the Pez factory store as well as retailers like Walmart and Target. However, the set will have a limited run of only 250000 <laughs> Only a quarter of a million really, Enterprise Pez. For Pez, that's limited. So they <laughs> will go fast. Each box will have a special numbered sticker as well. Now, I have to say that um, the illustration showing the close-up of Chekhov, Kirk, McCoy, um, Chekhov, McCoy, and Kirk Pez dispensers look nothing like them. Oh, yeah. And the one for Kirk, in fact, looks worse than my horrible Kirk bank. Well, you know what I have to say to that? Yeah. This is a disaster. <laughs> um, uh, they had been planned to coincide with the film, but that got moved from Christmas to May, so they decided to release the dispensers anyway. Um, let's see. Although Star Trek candy has never been pezzed before... It has been candyized before. In 1976, Phoenix released the first Star Trek candies, which featured plastic generic toys inside Star Trek-themed containers. I don't know what that now, means. If you scroll down, I'm, I'm yeah, yeah, it's, it shows those candies. Candy two have you ever had any no, of those candies? No, I've never seen those. I don't wow. know what they are. Um, and you could get um, chocolate bars that had first contact stuff on them. That is... Great. <laughs> Did you read any of the comments? Of course, there are this-is-a-disaster-type comments. But um, this the second one says, the likenesses are better than DSTs. I am only half-joking. What are DSTs? I don't know. But um, the fact that someone would compare the likenesses and then say, I am only half-joking. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I did read some of the comments. Were there any, there were any this is a disaster? I don't remember. I only kind of skimmed them. Oh. So, you know, maybe we'll go through the comments later and bring up any... Uh... <laughs> 
Someone says, I hope they refine the designs a little more. Pez Chekhov looks more like Don Knotts. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I remember that one. <laughs> I also just like the phrase Pez Chekhov. Pez Chekhov. <laughs> so now there's Peep Kirk and Pez Kirk. Pez Kirk. Wow. Is, that, is there like a Pez universe? <laughs> like the bizarro exactly. universe it's the pezarro the, universe the Pez universe where there's pez kirk and pez spock and and, and you know what what that's like your, your superpower when you're being attacked you flip your head up and all these <laughs> little hard out. little pez shoot out at your enemy yeah yeah and then you have to be reloaded um somebody has to like shove them up your ass and <laughs> bam 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 this is getting real kinky <laughs> Now I'm going to feel dirty whenever I see a Pez. Well, I think I'll probably have to get these because I really like Pez. Uh, Duh, yeah. (laughs) And that's the only reason is because you really like Pez. Totally. Well, we want to know what flavor Kirk comes in. That's true. That would be be pretty good. I have have Simpsons Pez Mm -hmm. at work, and I have a Maggie Simpson on my desk. Somebody I used to work with had lots and lots and lots of Pez all lined up Mm -hmm. along the top of their cube. Mm Mm-hmm. That's great. Man, McCoy Pez looks really mad. Hope he's in a better mood by the release date. <laughs> <laughs> That's really funny. Yes. Thank you for sharing that. That's amazing. Yes, that and that so came from amazing. Eric. Oh and my God. we are just so, so Star happy Trek to have that. Pez. Yeah, here's the comment I like too. And it comes from someone named um, Double Dumbass on You. <laughs> Star Trek Pez will be hitting retail this fall. I've always wanted to eat candy out of a Vulcan's neck. <laughs> well, you know what? Who hasn't? That's true. That's true. So those are the new media for this week. Those, that's amazing. I love that. Pez and Venn diagrams. Now, how many people could you talk about both Pez and Venn diagrams in connection with them? No. And it's not even a segue. Only Bill. Only Bill. Only Bill. Okay. Bill is in another really good article, and this um, actually got around quite a bit because our friend uh, Greg in New Zealand also sent me this link saying, hey, did you see this? Bill watched an episode of Star Trek. Oh, yeah, that one has been around a lot. The fact that Bill watching an episode of Star Trek makes news, (laughs) (laughs) not even on a slow news day. There was a lot of stuff Didn't it knock Hillary Clinton off the front page? I think it did. I think it did. I love that. So it said that he was recovering from his hip surgery, couldn't sleep, he was watching TV. So he watched a piece of the action. I wonder if it was the remastered. <gasps> it doesn't say. Not that he would know. <laughs> William, watching it, Shatner was more pleased than he expected. I haven't seen myself playing Captain Kirk in a long, long time, he says. Like never. And I watched it now from my perspective of 40 years later, and I thought, you know, that's rather good. <laughs> It's a starship captain trying to do the accent, the New York accent, trying to play tough, trying to be one of the guys. It's not quite right, but it's what a starship captain would have done. A decent imitation, enough to, to fool these guys, but not the audience. Um, he's not angry about not being in the film, blah, blah, blah. Um, the, re- the recent late night TV watching got Shatner thinking, though, about the character of Kirk and how it has endured. That was a good hero, Shatner says. Now, this is the good part. He made decisions. He was forceful. He was compassionate. He was the instigator. He fought hard and long physically and emotionally. He carried the dilemma of whether to intrude or not to intrude. It was all the classic forms of good Greek playmaking. The hero has the dilemma and resolves the dilemma. 
Yay! That's it. I mean, that's mm-hmm. Kirk right there. And yep. I'm so pleased that he was able to just say it like that, mm-hmm. encapsulate it in such few words, such well-chosen Bill words. Bill is very eloquent. He really is. And then at the end, he says, the actors were wonderful, and I didn't care about the sets or anything like that, or the cheesy spaceship. I think that's what happens in Star Trek. Your eye goes past all the faults because you're concentrated on the actors and the plot. Mm-hmm. And that's also absolutely that true. That is very, very, very true. So good. I love that. He made decisions. He was forceful. He was compassionate. He was the instigator. Yes. Absolutely. Good job, Bill. Good job, Bill. Now, speaking of Bill being a hero. Because <laughs> Bill is a hero. Bill is a hero. I wanna um I wanted to show you a couple things. Okay. You okay. Can, this can. is an article. I didn't send you this one. Oh. This is from the Cape Breton Post. Where's that? By Ken Chisholm. Well, you'll find out as I read oh. the article. Okay. The article is called Why William Shatner Can Save Gaelic. <laughs> oh, so it's in it's in Gaelic speaking oh. land. Yes, Gaelic speaking land. William Shatner stands alone in cinematic history as having acted in two films that featured two different artificial languages. Um, that would be Klingon and Esperanto? Yes. Incubus, which used <laughs> Esperanto. See, I forget until you say it, and then it's funny all over again. <laughs> and Star Trek, The Search for Spock, uh-huh. that introduced Klingon. And let us pause for a second and consider how unendangered Gaelic would be if Klingons spoke Gaelic. <laughs> so, Shatner is used to promoting non-mainstream languages. Mm-hmm. He has cool appeal and recognition that cuts across generations. And he has already made a movie in Cape Breton. Yes. Yes, and they say the movie is The Third Walker, and that's what I want to talk oh, about. Okay. A Gaelic language film set in Cape Breton with William Shatner on its own might put Gaelic in the mouths of Terrans everywhere. And I would bet real money that somebody somewhere has already rendered into Gaelic the phrase, beam me up, Scotty. I'm sure. Okay, <laughs> yes. So, The Third Walker, I know I have heard of it. I've never seen it. And here is a picture from it. Oh, he's wearing glasses. I know, big, big square glasses, like almost wow. Charles Nelson Riley glasses. Wow, that's really, 1978. So we got to track that one down. Definitely. I wonder if this place is actually pronounced Breton. Maybe it is. I, but I still don't know where that is. But I'm American, so I say yeah. Breton. Wow. Well, we should try to find that. If any of you have seen this movie, let us know, because mm-hmm. we'd like to know. I bet he could save Gaelic. Well, he could save anything. He, he could. He to. could save anything he, he he decides he wants to save. Yeah. Now, the other thing uh, that I wanted to talk about, which was also on this site, if I could. Find while, while you're looking for it, can I fill in just by reading? Yes, this? please okay. do, because well, I'm totally screwed. This is just a random email you sent me, which oh. I thought was funny. Okay. Um, so your email to me says, um, "Woohoo! More remastering." I just watched Mark of Gideon on Channel 50. Third season, you can totally see where they attach Spock's ears and how cheesy the Gideon's costumes are. Also, when Chekhov asks, are there any possibilities, it sounded like, are there any possibilities? (laughs) (laughs) It did. In fact, I'm sure it was written that way. (laughs) So it's good to see that third season remastered, showing it on TV, although I haven't seen any of them yet. um, No, but... um, and I believe I did send you something about they are going to release those. Yes, they're going to do right um, on DVD. Yeah, so it'll all be out eventually, and we'll have it, and we'll watch it. Oh, crap. Are you finding it yet? Because I could read something else. Yeah, read something else, because there was another oh. thing I wanted oh, to ask okay. you about. Oh, okay. Well, this was um, 
let's see, uh, TCA nominations. This is the Television Critics Association Awards. Oh, yes, yes. Um, and I believe we have some uh, good stuff here. So let me just find it. Come on. <laughs> was it Bill or was it Boston Legal? What? That, who got the award, or the nomination? Bill! Oh. Boston Legal doesn't have a Lifetime Achievement. Oh, that's right. I forgot it was the Lifetime Achievement Award. I'm sorry. I forgot. All right. Okay. The, the career achievement nominees are James Garner, Lorne Michaels, Bill Moyers, William Shatner, and Mike Wallace. I think Bill should win, personally. Yeah. Because I think he's done, he's had a longer career than any of those people. And has had more variety to his career. Absolutely. Um, you could maybe argue that um, Bill Moyers did more serious stuff, maybe Mike Wallace as well. I can't believe that Lorne Michaels would be in the same category as William Shatner. Because, no. No, it just doesn't work that way. So the TCA awards are scheduled for Saturday, July 19th, and we'll be watching to see if Bill gets that award. That's and right. I'd be pretty surprised if he didn't because mm -hmm. it's the year of Bill. It yeah. is. Oh, my God. Him. Yes, it is the century of Bill. Yeah. Okay, okay, here's the other thing. Okay. Um, another list from entertainmentweekly.com, <laughs> uh -huh. and this is Scary Good, TV's 15 Best Fright Nights. Okay. And um, it's, it's listing, listing the best scary shows. Mm -hmm. And this one it lists as the second one, but I don't know if this list went top, bottom, mm -hmm. bottom, top, was The Twilight Zone. And, of course, it has... Oh, a picture of Bill. A picture of Bill in the terror on 20,000 feet. Okay, um, monster. But, um, I, yeah, really bad monster. But I do want to, to read what it says about Twilight Zone. To mimic Rod Serling's introductory monologue to his groundbreaking anthology program, it lies in the pit of man's fears and hopefully somewhere in your DVD collection. <laughs> this is a television show with imagination. It is a series which we call The Twilight Zone. The coordinates are a little sketchy. It's in an alternative universe, a fifth dimension, somewhere between heaven, sky, and earth, a middle ground off a highway exit on the outskirts of a small town around the block or the next stop. But the episodes are as well known as the back of your hand to serve man, the Eye of the Beholder, and that terrifying tale of air travel gone awry, <laughs> Nightmare at 20,000 Feet. Here's the interesting thing, though. Also on that list, mm -hmm. although not featuring pictures of Bill, Alfred Hitchcock Presents, mm -hmm. Outer Limits, Night Gallery. So I think the message here is clear. If you want to do a classic sci-fi supernatural show, you got to put Bill in it. I think so. At some point. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, I, I think you can't go wrong, really, putting no. Bill in it. No, you can't. Yeah. And he was in everything. I mean, he was in basically every kind of um, fantasy, horror, thriller thing that was on at that time. Mm -hmm. I and mean, we've seen all those episodes. He was just in everything. Yes. Well, and again, he talks about this in the book, you know, how he was, he was working all the time. He could not get ahead financially. Mm -hmm. I mean, his idea for many, many, many years... Of success was to have more than eighteen hundred dollars in the bank. <laughs> that was, you know, mm -hmm. that's what. It, oh boy, if I could just, mm -hmm. just make, you know, make that much. But he was working all the time mm -hmm. on on Broadway, and in television, and in movies, mm -hmm. and uh, his his whole thing was, uh, if you're going to call yourself an actor, you've got to work. Mm -hmm. And he he considers himself very fortunate that. There was a lot of work for the type 
he was. Mm-hmm. And he talks about, you know, that he, he played many of these sort of naive, young, <laughs> young leading man type roles. And, yeah. Well, he yeah. was... Um, and he was also very well suited to television work at that time, which was very fast. Mm-hmm. Not a lot of time for retakes. You know, show up, be ready, learn your lines, hit your mm-hmm. marks, do it. And he could do all that. And yes, and he talks about, you know, these terrifying moments of doing live TV, mm-hmm. the, the things that went wrong and you, you just... Uh, you went on with it, and I think he was talking about doing a, a program, a live program on Canadian television with Basil Rathbone. Mm-hmm. And Basil Rathbone, um, this was like his first time doing live TV. You know, there were no retakes or anything, but he said something like, uh, I might be sc- mixing it up with another story, but at one point it was, you know, well, we're, we're doing it in Canada. So if anything goes wrong, only 3 million people see it, as opposed to doing it in the United States where 20 million people would see it. And of course, things did go horribly wrong, but was only seen by three million Canadians. <laughs> Who cares about that? <laughs> really? Not important. Totally not important. <laughs> well, um, I have one more thing for this segment, unless you've got more that you want to read here. No. Okay. Go right ahead. This is the last thing. And now this, this came um, via the William Shatner newsletter just the other day. Oh, yes. So I, I thought this was hilarious. And, and mm-hmm. this could be another media bill has conquered. You tell me. Okay. Well, you know I'll vote yes, but okay. go ahead. Well, here's what it says. I love the fact that the William Shatner newsletter starts off with this sentence. In William Shatner news this week, (laughs) what else would it be about? Well, we call it news from around his butt. News from around his butt. In William Shatner news this week, Animal Planet has announced Extraordinary Animals, a new series following the lives of animals with unusual abilities and talents, narrated by Star Trek and Boston legal star William Shatner. Yay! Set to debut June 13th, the series will look for animals that have abilities more in line with humans than their counterparts in the animal kingdom. On tap are an elephant that also paints with her trunk, a sea lion capable of logic, a skill once thought to be reserved for humans, a dog that can do math, and a cat that can play the piano. Wow! (laughs) There will be 17 episodes, all starting um, this Friday at 9.30 p.m. Check your local listings. Wow. I... <laughs> Why is he doing this? Because Bill loves animals. He does love animals. And um, because he actually opens his book with the story of Coco. Oh, really? Okay. The, the, the gorilla who grabbed, who grabbed his, balls. his balls. So anyway, Bill's hosting a show called Extraordinary Animals that's going to look at dogs that can do math and a cat that plays the piano. Wow. <laughs> so is that or is that not a new media? What do you think? I don't know. He's hosted a lot of documentaries. He has. I don't think he's hosted an animal show, though. Oh, no. Well, he didn't host it. He, you know, did that American Sportsman where he shot the bear. Yeah. He talks in great detail about that uh-huh. um, in the book. It's a very interesting oh, story. Good. Yeah, you guys got to get this book. Yeah. Well, anyway, I just wanted everyone to know about extraordinary animals. Yes. <laughs> well, there are extraordinary animals. I do not own one. <laughs> I just fear that a show like this could easily become, you know, America's, America's Funniest, Funniest Home, Home Video. Videos. You know, there is a version of America's Funniest Home Videos with animals or else I it's know, a segment. I know, I've they seen do. it. It's like America's Funniest Pets or something. Yeah, and the, the one that really, I mean, made my whole family laugh for a good 10 minutes. Uh-huh. I mean, just literally could not even breathe or laugh as hard. Was a giraffe that turned on a ceiling fan. <laughs> seen generally have like dogs riding on skateboards and and surfing and stuff like that Mm -hmm. um you know i have actually seen video of the elephant that paints and um is is he any good (laughs) 
what they've done, and I'm trying to remember where this is, and uh, I don't think it's in India. It's somewhere else, but um, it might be in China. They've they've trained elephants to paint, like to hold paintbrushes with their trunks, which is not hard for them to do because they're very dexterous with mm-hmm. their trunks. And they've basically just trained them to paint a picture, like certain lines in certain order. So they're not painting fresh pictures that are impressions of anything. But they can actually, you know, from memory, mm-hmm. do something that they've been trained to do. Which is pretty impressive, yes. actually. And they, they are very dexterous, and, and the things that they produce are quite beautiful. Mm-hmm. You know, the brush strokes are intentional. It's not just a big splat of paint mm-hmm. on the page, but it looks really kind of cool when it's done. And I'm sure Bill will have interesting things to oh, say about it. Oh, I'm sure he will. I'm, <laughs> because he's, he's Bill. I want to see what he has to say about the dog that can do math. Yeah. And, you know, when I had a cat, it played the piano all the time, but it sounded like, bing, bong, bing, bing, bing. <laughs> Yeah, well, my dog types. But, you know, you can't read it. <laughs> okay, let's take a break, and then we're going to come back. I think we'll do the, the, the crap from my collection segment when we come back. Is that okay with you? Yeah. Okay. Cue the music. I'm so excited. And I'm pretty sure that these are things that I haven't even showed to you before. I don't think so. Maybe. I'm not not sure. Maybe you've um, told me about it. Here's the first thing. This is a Star Trek coloring book. (laughs) Let me see this. Okay, this is a disaster. (laughs) Spock is wearing a red shirt. But look at them. Don't they look sort of Greekish in their poses? Uh, Well, yeah. and, And Spock's profile... Yeah. It, it's very, you know, Greekish. Well, it's very gay, I have to say. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's a very bad coloring book. I've had it for a long, long, long time. Um, it has you a didn't game color the, in it. No, of course not. It has a game on the back cover. <laughs> I don't know what, the, I don't remember what the game is. It's Box the Planets. This is a game for two players. We have two <gasps> players. Each player, in turn, connects two dots. A player who completes a box puts his initials in the square and takes another turn. Oh. When all boxes have been completed, each player adds up his score. Take five points for the Earth, four <laughs> for the Moon, three for the Sun, two for Mars, the red planet, and one for Saturn, the ringed planet. The player having the highest score wins. So it's basically a grid of planets on the back, little dots, and then you have to... So you could kind of do a Tholian web. You could. You beep, absolutely beep, beep, could. Beep, beep, beep. Yeah. Um, so let's see. This was published by, um, it's the authorized edition. Note it says authorized edition, published by a company called Saulfield. It's 49 cents. And um, again, this was one of those things that I bought because I saw it and I was like, I should get this and save it <laughs> forever, <laughs> forever. Put it in a box in my garage and save it forever. And it was published, let's see, what year is this? Um, Roman numerals 50, 60, 75, 1975. Paramount Pictures Corporations, and the drawings are by Robert Doremus, and they're very, very bad. So um, they're line drawings uh-huh. of Captain Kirk and Mr. Spock, 
And I always thought it was interesting what they chose to put in this book. So here's a picture of the Enterprise. Here's Uhura. Here's a white woman posing as Uhura. Doesn't I thought it like was her. Chapel. No, it says Uhura. And then here's somebody. This, I think it's Sulu. It says, Captain, we are approaching the planet Circo. I think it's Sulu. Whoever this artist is, he can't do lips. So here's Spock turning away from the, the, the audience, and he says, Captain, this is very odd. My instruments pick up no signs of life activity on this planet. And you know then, why he turned away? Why? So he can eat his Twix. <laughs> and then the next one shows his little instrumentation here. Um, does his instrumentation include a whisk? Because that's what it looked like from over here. A whisk? Oh, no, that's the, the strap on the strap his uh, okay. tricorder. I thought it was a whisk. So you'll see that this book builds a little story. Oh. So we're going to zip through it very quickly. And then some unnamed guy who I think maybe is supposed to be McCoy, but it doesn't look anything like him. It looks like Kirk Standen. He says, but there are two billion people on Circo. And then Kirk says, I think we should investigate. And then this actually does sort of look like, this is the Build-A-Cat picture, actually. Yeah. It's a line drawing of the Build-A-Cat picture. <laughs> Kirk says, we will leave immediately. <laughs> okay, that looks like they're being rained on. <laughs> the crew beams down to Circo, all in caps. And uh, you know what? It's a stage direction. <laughs> Kirk looks really pissed off. He does. And who the hell is the guy in the middle? Stevens? <laughs> now... I don't know what this next picture is supposed to show, um, because it looks like they're in a little um, golf cart. Yeah. And someone says, very strange indeed, Captain. I guess it's Spock. These people all seem to be in a deep sleep. (gasps) They're at Sleeping Beauty's Castle. And look, there's your dog right there. Oh, wow. (laughs) So your dog is asleep next to a little boy. And here's Kirk being pissed off again with his hands on his Mm -hmm. hips. And he says, we'll need to contact our research team to determine why everyone is asleep. Why don't you wake them up and ask them? I know. And then there's some weird-looking plants. And Sulu says, Captain, look at those strange-looking plants. Have you noticed how everybody's got bad sideburns? They're not they pointy do. in the right way? Um, and also, they're not wearing um, kind of Starfleet boots. They look more like Uggs. <laughs> <laughs> These plants are giving off a very sweet odor. I am getting very sleepy. And then Sulu falls asleep. Hey, we've seen this episode. And then Spock says, the plants are attacking us. Beam us up immediately before we all fall asleep. So now they're back on here, and there's a guy in a white lab coat who I've never seen before, so I don't know who that is. And they're holding pieces of paper, which they don't have on the Enterprise, so I'm not quite sure about that. (laughs) Here are some drawings of the flowers, Doctor. Have you ever seen anything like them? Because they don't have photography. That's a technology that's been lost. And then, best line of dialogue, it is a rare form of a sleep-producing plant. Like poppies. It's, It's the Sandman's plant, I guess. Okay. I thought it was a witch of the West plant. These plants must be sprayed and dried up. We are preparing the chemical that will destroy them. I think they grow in Mountain View. So they're wearing bubbles on their heads. <laughs> and course. they have, um, these are uh, fire extinguishers. Yes. And they're wearing Uggs. Let's hope this chemical works. <laughs> Otherwise we'll have to stamp them out with uh, our yeah, Uggs. They're all dried up. Everyone, And look, there's a leprechaun. <laughs> <laughs> He brought those plants. He's a guy wearing a bowler hat. Because someone ate his lucky charms. <laughs> Everyone should be waking up in a few hours. We can return to the Enterprise. Our mission is completed here. Shoo! But they still end. have a comic book. <laughs> you want to read it? <laughs> in all caps, a coffee break. Spock and some little kid have mugs. And 
Another space donut. <laughs> yep, space donuts and space, space coffee with space steam. They're having a taster's choice moment. They are. I like French vanilla. <laughs> Remember that waiter in Paris? Jean-Luc. Anyway, I just think this book is so funny. There's another story or maybe even two stories. Oh. Here, but they're just as bad. And, and um, I don't know. It's just so silly. And look, a goofy monkey in this story. Like, <laughs> Oh. So, just another example of the kind of crap that Paramount was putting out before there were movies that they could, you know, promote. This came mm-hmm. out, I guess, roughly at the same time as the animated series. So, they yeah. figured, you know, something. Right. Just produce anything to get it anything, out there. Anything. Get it out there. So, yeah. I love this. I, I don't blame you. So, that's good. Now, the next thing I have is The Thing. <gasps> so, remember, someone yes. sent us a picture, or you found a picture of it. About the crossword puzzle. It's the Star Trek crossword puzzle. Remember, I said mine was in better condition. Yes. And it is. <laughs> Look at it's got the shiny silver it's got a logo on the back, yes. the sticker of the um the thing. Oh wow. Oh this has the answers. Well, I don't want to look at that. So, um, I, I want to see what kind of clues are on this, so I'm so opening it. So I thought it. we could actually try to figure a couple out. Now, I think <gasps> I mentioned to you that I had this hanging on my wall. You can you see. You did do it. There. I did. I actually did it. You did some of it. Oh, uh, there are tack marks <gasps> in the corner. They, oh. Because well, and some of it, yes, because it is Star Trek. Because, like, here's Odana, Recreation, uh, Reina. I didn't think I did it. Antimatter. I guess I, I broke down. I couldn't help myself. Okay. I'm going to read you the clue to one of the ones you didn't do. Oh, okay. See if you can do it now. Wow, this is a big, big fucking mm-hmm. puzzle. Okay, 160 across. Once as numerous as salt monsters. And it's Seven letters. I have no idea. I didn't know then, and I don't know now. Oh, dear. Okay. <laughs> i got to see what the clue is for this. 225. Disappear in a transporter. Beam? Dematerialize. Ooh. Ooh, ooh, ooh. Okay, 306. I love this. This is a great puzzle. Ah, uh, especially because you wrote in so many of the answers. <laughs> the show with the adorable animals. Tribbles, trouble with tribbles. Yeah. yeah. Hey, this is great. They really are all Star Trek things. Yeah. It's great. Wait, what's three fifty-five? Oh, it's across. Read the right. This one. tells you how big the puzzle is. That there is a three fifty-five across. What? What is this like? Three foot by five foot? About? No, no? more maybe like three by four, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. It's big. It's big. Um, <laughs> Spock looks really dumbfounded. Kirk looks like he's high. <laughs> Look at him. Look at his eyes. <laughs> oh, yeah. He's baked. He's baked. <laughs> <laughs> Waking and baking. Oh, this is great. It really is in beautiful condition. Yes. And it's the incredible intergalactic uh-huh. Star Trek crossword oh, puzzle. We forgot to mention. Yes. On the Tonight Show, Bill said interweb. Oh yes, <laughs> says they they because they, they showed the clip of him freaking out on, on um, twenty thousand dollar pyramid, yes. and uh, and he says they have this on the interweb. <laughs> I love that he said interweb. Oh yeah, that's so funny. I think it folds um, no towards you. Okay, well, <laughs> I will hand it to you because. So I don't know. Um, I might wow. try to like. Um, Xerox this or something, and then we could try to fill it in more, like the ones that I didn't get way back when. Wow. But I just want people to know that, you know, as a as a 12-year-old geek, 
that this was hanging on the wall of my bedroom. Okay, um, it cost two ninety five, which was a lot of money for me then. And it was made by a company in Philadelphia called Running Press, copyright nineteen seventy six, Paramount Pictures mm -hmm. Corporation. Mm -hmm. Wow. So I'm impressed. Yeah, I'm impressed with the level of crap collecting you have managed to do over the years. <laughs> that I've saved it all. I, I am humble. I bow before you. <sighs> so there's that. Now I have one more little treat in here because you asked me about this. Oh. And now I brought it with me so you can see. The question was, was Star Trek ever in Mad Magazine? And here it is. <laughs> oh my God. At least they're not wearing Uggs. You want to describe the cover? So it's um, a great Jack Davis cover. Of course, Jack Davis is one of the cover artists for Mad Magazine. And it's a, a picture of Kirk and Spock and um, Alfred E. Newman, who has Vulcan ears and a Vulcan haircut. And they're doing a little song and dance. And they've got canes and straw hats. And they're kind of stepping in, in um, unison there on the cover. And look what Alfred E. Newman's shirt says. It says, keep on trekking with only one K. And it is what color? It's red, so you know he's going to die. So here's the Mad Musical. Can I look oh, at this? Oh, absolutely. All right, it's a musical. Keep on trekking, the Mad Star Trek musical. Okay, and what are they? Captain's Log, Stardate, 10-5-76. I guess that's my sister's birthday. Through an incredible time warp, the crew of the starship Improvise has been summoned <laughs> by some mysterious power to a meeting back aboard the retired ship eight years after the death of the show. Sung to the tune of Send in the Clowns. <laughs> Spock sings, Isn't it strange, after eight years, him playing captain again, me with my ears, send in the crew. <laughs> and Kirk sings, Look at me now at my old post. Happy that I can forget Barbary Coast. Where's my crew? Send in my crew. Then Scotty says, See our old ship down from the sky. None of the engines are working and neither am I. <laughs> and McCoy once I was saving their lives with my medical skill, where am I now? Over the hill. And Chapel and Uhura. Chapel looks really... I mean, look at how short their skirts are. <laughs> um, how have we done? Not well, we fear. Typecast as spacemen, which means we've no career. So send in the crew, this old washed-up crew. We're better off here. I'm going to have to read this whole thing. Well, I can leave it here. Okay. And if you could scan it, I think I that would be great. Say. We could put that up for people. Can I just have it back for a minute? Sure. I wanted to read the credits um, just because it's good. Oh, I'm sorry. This wasn't Jack David. This was Jack Rickard. But it's a beautiful cover. I mean, it they, is. they look just like them. Mm -hmm. It's really well drawn. Um, so this was the artist was Mort Drucker, who did a lot of the parodies. And the writer was Frank Jacobs, and I'm not really sure who he was. But um, the art in general is, is not bad, and there are mm -hmm. little cameos by some of the other Mad Magazine characters on here. And I don't really remember um, what this was about or how it ended. But there's a, there's a beautiful girl. I'm trying to see if Kirk gets to kiss her or not. But... Um, yeah, this is this is good. So yes, Star Trek was in Mad Magazine. So 1976, fifty cents cheap. <laughs> yep. Wow, that is great. Oh, I can't wait to read that. <laughs> thank you, thank you. Well, let me look and see if there's anything else on my list. Oh, okay, that sounds good. Well, we're gonna play one. More I thing. could get my computer open. We're gonna play one more thing to close the show, which I'll just tell now. Oh, uh, no, save it for surprise. It oh, won't okay. take me that oh. long to open the computer. Uh, all right. Okay, sure. let's see. What's, what? What's on your list? Oh, do we want to? Let's talk about this. What? The uh, the Riverside Museum. <laughs> the Riverside Museum. Okay. Riverside, Iowa has a museum of them, mm -hmm. of themselves. 
and uh, apparently a very large portion of it is devoted to Star Trek mm-hmm. and to them being punked mm-hmm. in Invasion Iowa. And the great thing is they collected so many of the things from it, like the sign for Billville. <laughs> and I'm just going, we have to go there some year for Trek Fest. Oh, absolutely. I think that would be good. I say go Riverside. And, uh, yeah, we definitely have to visit the spot where Kirk was conceived. <laughs> I hope they put a big sign on that pool table. <laughs> really, really big sign. So, what was it? Marjorie was married in the back of the bar or something? Or, or what happened behind the... the... I don't remember. <sighs> I don't remember. And I don't even remember where we got that. <laughs> But we now, just, according just, to William Shatner, and who's going to contradict him? Made shit up like she we was, usually do. <laughs> he, was con- he was conceived. So I'll just read the beginning of this because it's really good. And, of course, it was in an article in the Iowa City Press Citizen, which is great. Um, History buffs and Star Trek fans now all have one place they can go for their interests in Riverda- Riverside. Members of the Riverside Area Community Club opened the Riverside History Center, colon, The Voyage Home, on May 3rd. The two-room museum. Two rooms. That's okay. Includes displays about Riverside history plus an entire room dedicated to Star Trek memorabilia. So this is great. It's a two-room museum, and one room is Star Trek crap, and the other room is Riverside stuff. (laughs) (laughs) And what do you think there's more of? I think I know. Yeah. Um, Riverside is home to an annual Trek Fest celebrating the future birthplace of Star Trek character Captain James T. Kirk, commander of the starship USS Enterprise, comma, NCC-1701. Because they have to give the number, right? Of course. The first room is dedicated to Captain Kirk actor William Shatner and Star Trek, including a large Invasion Iowa display from when Shatner visited Riverside, originally convincing the town's residents into thinking he was making a sci-fi movie. The room also includes autographed photographs of the original cast and a collection of Trekfest t-shirts. Th- then I want to read this. Okay. The second room is dedicated to the history of Riverside. Right now, one exhibit spotlights Riverside Century Houses and their history, including the Swift Gould House, also known, known as the Mayor's Home, because <laughs> it was home to two mayors. Hey! There's also a case filled with made-in-Riverside items, including a vacuum cleaner and lightning rods made by the same company and bricks from the Swift Family Brick and Tile Factory. Wow. We don't have much, but we're collecting. Well, for gosh (laughs) sakes. In the first month, turnout has already been good, including visitors from England, Germany, Nebraska, and Los Angeles, especially among Star Trek fans. Of course. People are beginning to know we're there and make special trips to see it. Well, can you blame them? <laughs> can you blame them for that? I think we're going to have to go there one day. I, You know, I think that would make a really fine field trip for, <laughs> for some school-age youngsters. <laughs> to the pool table? <laughs> no, no, to the museum. They're not old enough for the pool table. Take them all to the museum and then, you know, somewhere where they can have a nice lunch. And then they can, um, you know, go go uh, go back to the museum again. They could have some tuna melts for lunch. Oh, yeah. That would be good. <laughs> and potato chips. And pot- Well, of course. <laughs> That's great. I'm so glad that they've opened up a museum. I am, I too. I love Riverside. I do, They're too. They're so plucky. <laughs> <laughs> they really are. You could see why Kirk would want to be from there. Well, and, you know, the whole idea that they're making the most of it in this way that is not offensive and creepy. Not at all. 
not at all. It's it's charming. Yes, it's it totally is. Charming. It's very charming, and I feel like we know some of those people from having watched Invasion Iowa and yes. and seeing how how uh-huh. how charming and, and wonderful they are. Mm-hmm. So hmm. go Riverside. Go Riverside. That's great. Okay, so now you tell the surprise. Oh, she's giving me this look like. Okay, now you tell the surprise. <laughs> if you, it has to be about you, doesn't it? Yes, it does. Okay, the big surprise that we've been holding off on. Actually, it's a really nice surprise. We have an audio report Yay! from one of our listeners yes. who attended Shatner Weekend. Mm-hmm. And this is um, Shelry. And her boyfriend, I believe his name is Steve. Mm, I think so. And they went to Shatner Weekend, and so they, they sent us an audio report telling us about yeah. their adventures. It's not too long, but it is really wonderful. And we love when you people get involved in the show and do your own contributions, mm-hmm. not just sending us stuff, which we love, and, and links and everything, but, you know, actual audio files mm-hmm. and, you know, take send us more pictures of, of media Bill has conquered, you know, we're, we're going to have a museum of that. I think we already do. It's, it's called your garage. My garage, essentially, yeah, yeah. yeah, and that part of your office where Bill is standing right over here. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah, but we, we need one where, where we charge admission. Oh, that's, that's what it. will make it that's, a museum. That's it. That's absolutely right. All right, that's, that's on our list. Okay. Top of the list. Okay. So we're going to play the clip now, and, and that's going to be our show for this yep. time. So um, we'll see you next time. Bye. Hello, this is Shelry. I'm Steve. From Pompano Beach. And we're here to talk about the William Shatner Weekend. We, uh, <laughs> we had a great time at it, first off. And we were there from Friday to, through Sunday morning. And the first thing we did Friday morning was got up and meet the whole group of people in the lobby, and we had 40 with us, which was huge. Good people. Yeah, great. They were a lot of fun. And uh, the whole event was organized by Jane and Sandy. Great, wonderful. They did an awesome job. And they got us on a big bus, and we headed out to Boston, the set of Boston News. I thought it was amazing, because I had never been at a studio before. Have you? That was interesting. It was great. We uh, got to see how they put the rooms together and how they moved the sets around. We got to sit in the seats that William Shatner and, oh, I forget his name. James Spader. James Spader sit in at the end of the episode. I can't believe I remember that. <laughs> thing is, we don't have TV, so we don't watch this. But it was very cool to see it. And uh, William Shatner came out and talked to us a bit and actually got us onto the taping, which we weren't going to get to do. So we all got to go in in groups of five and see them take the scene. Which was pretty awesome. Yeah, it was amazing. We stood behind the, I guess the director and the camera crew, mm-hmm. and the person who yells out the lines that uh, they can't remember, if they yeah. can't remember them. <laughs> but uh, actually, William Shatner was uh, pretty good at remembering uh, his lines. He was uh, quite uh, professional in there. And uh, it was unbelievable, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, we stood uh, in a narrow uh, opening and watched as uh, the courtroom scene unfolded, I guess. And he was interviewing the witness, but actually he was doing most of the talking. Yeah, he was. And, and, and uh, actually, if we had seen the TV show, I think it would have even been more exciting. But 
Um, I can't wait to see that episode, which I guess has been on already. But we'll get it. Yeah, we'll have to get it on Netflix or something. But then we, after we were all done there, it was kind of late, so we got to go on the Paramount tour at the end of the day, but we had to do abbreviated tour. And I have to say, Paramount rocks. Who knew? Yeah. We got to see the uh, set of New York where you can uh, create New York City scenes and... uh, Tank. The, or something like yeah, Tank B out in the parking lot where they filmed the Ten Commandments. That was pretty cool. And of course, this is where they filmed Star Trek, the original series. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I knew it was relevant. And then the next day... We got back on the bus. Back on the bus. Was, there were some... I have to mention, there were some really cool people. A couple, Dick and Vic, who have come a couple of times. And... This lady, Sherry, and her friend, Rhonda. Sherry remembers you, Lena and Kitty, when y'all came that year. And also Klaus, who comes... From Germany. Yeah, he's from Germany. He comes a lot. And twins from England. Yes. Can't remember their names, but... They were very nice. Lady named Rhonda. Yes. And Sherry from Texas. Mm Mm-hmm. And a nice couple from... I can't remember where they were from, but they were definitely in Pittsburgh now. Yeah, yeah. And, I can't uh, remember. We had a good time at the dinner with them. Yes. Right. So, Saturday morning, we went to the, the horse, horse show. The horse thing. Yes, yeah. we went to the horse show and hung out. And there was a lot of waiting for autographs because William Shatner is such a busy person. I was amazed at how hard he worked. He was doing Boston Legal the day before, and then he was running and competing in the horse show and getting the auction ready. So we got to see him briefly and take pictures, individual pictures That's with right. him, which was fun. With his horse. Yes. But then he had to take off and go compete. And then we that evening we got to go to the dinner, which was very nice. They had a silent auction and then a live auction that William Shatner hosted. And he was amazing. Yeah, he was good. He really entertained the crowd while still trying to get money for this charity event. And his guest, his main guest for the evening was Randy Travis, which was a blast. Which rocked, yeah. 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 And Not uh, being a country fan, <laughs> I knew almost every song. Yes, it was great. He was a great performer. And we danced. And we danced, and we had a group up there, Sherry and Rhonda danced with us. The twins from England danced. Jane and Sandy danced. And yeah, we danced. We mm-hmm. definitely had a fun time. Yeah. It was very good. It was. It, it, it would be, uh, just to hang out with those people again is worth going back. Yes. And, and uh, of as course, always, William Shatner was a sexy guy, so <laughs> can't go without saying that. Whatever. <laughs> and uh, that was pretty much the end of our weekend. We didn't realize there were Sunday events, so we had planned early planning home on Sunday, but I have to say all in all, this was an mo- uh, incredible weekend, and I would recommend any William Shatner fan to go on this weekend. So, this is Shelry. And Steve. Over and out, and thanks for the podcast, guys. Y'all are doing a great job. Bye. Bye.